when Heather was speaking, she mentioned these words, God says go, and Jonah says no. But this morning, I'd like to begin our time by asking you a series of questions. First question is this, what do you do when you've messed up? All of us deal with things in a, a whole different way. So there's the first question. Second question is this. What do you do when you've got yourself in such a bad situation as a result of wrong choices and you're not sure how to get out? Third question. Is it possible to get yourself in such a jam that it's impossible to get out? Sometimes we feel like that, don't we? But the, re the reason I raise these questions this morning is because this is the effect of Jonah running from God. You see, the Lord had an assignment for Jonah, but this man, he didn't feel like doing it. So instead of going where God told him to go and doing what God told him to do and being what God told him to be, he went his own way. He rebelled, he disobeyed, he took off, he was running from God. And some of us do that in life, don't we? We know friends, family, who are still running from God. Question this morning, does this happen to you? And the question I ask myself, does it happen to me? So the question before the church this morning is, what do you do when you've messed up? With those questions in mind, I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Jonah chapter Here's the short version of what's happened so far. Jonah was a prophet in Israel. God came to him and said, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, because their wickedness had come up before the Lord. Well, Jonah didn't want to do that, because Nineveh was in Assyria, and the Assyrians were enemies of Israel. So Jonah didn't like God's word. He didn't feel like obeying God's word, so he ran. The Bible tells us instead of going northeast to Nineveh, he headed south to Joppa, boarded a ship that was headed for Tarshish, and paid the fare. That worked out great. In fact, it worked out so much that Jonah was sound asleep in the bottom of the boat until when the Bible tells us God hurled a great wind on the sea. And this storm was so fierce that the ship was about to break up. And the sailors cast lots to determine on whose account this calamity had struck them. And Jonah got the blame. So they came and asked him, what do I have to do to calm this storm? And he said, throw me overboard. And after a bit of reluctance, they finally did. And verse 15 says that the sea immediately stopped its raging. So I want you to imagine in your mind's eye, what that must have meant to those unbelieving sailors to instantly go from a fierce storm to a lovely sunny day, from a raging sea to a calm lake. And this is one of the many places in the Bible where if I were God, oh, things would be a lot different, I can tell you. In fact, there wouldn't even be a chapter 2 because the story would conclude with Jonah going down to the bottom of the sea, but friends, not only is God a God of justice and righteousness who could not allow his prophet to keep running without facing punishment, he's also a God of incredible mercy. 
and grace, who provided a way of escape. That mercy and grace is freely available to you and I this morning. So Jonah, if you like, he got himself in a bit of a jam. Jonah 2, verses 1 to 10. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord. I wonder if that's a picture of you and I at times in our walk with God, or if we don't know God when we've just called out to him, when we've been distressed, when we've been anxious, when things are just getting on top of us. You get to a point where that's exactly what you do in the same way Jonah did. So from deep within the realms of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. God listens to your cry this morning. He goes on to say, You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I've been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. The seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath me bored me in forever. But you, Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you. And my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord, what did he do? He commanded the fish and had vomited Jonah into dry land. Jonah was in the belly of a fish. And I want to ask you to work as hard as you can at imagining what this must have been like for him. Instead of a man preparing a fish, we've got a fish preparing a man. So let's find out what we can learn from Jonah's fishy experience. The Bible contains some very peculiar verses, doesn't it? But I must say that our text this morning is two of the most peculiar I've come across recently. Chapter 2, verse 1 says this, From inside the fish, Jonah prayed. Verse 10 says, The Lord commanded the fish and had vomited Jonah onto dry land. Can you imagine what it must have been like to be inside a fish like Jonah? He said in verse 5, Seaweed was wrapped around my head. That's like sushi in reverse. All rolled up in seaweed, but thankfully not dipped in wasabi and soy sauce, but maybe, hmm, that's a nice thought. Why should he be in distress? It's like all the fish you can eat. Sashi, galore, eat your way out of the fish. Fresh seaweed as well, what more do you want? I think I might have just put all of you off sushi lovers this morning. I might have put you all off that. However, can you imagine being squeezed through the throat and then swimming around the stomach lining of the fish as it expands and contracts? The, the irritation caused by the acidic stomach juices as it bleaches his skin. What a position to be in. That's put you off eating food, hasn't it? But 
He'd be thinking to himself, how can I get this stinging sensation off? And what's that awful smell? You might be thinking to yourself, it smells bad in a fish market. Wait until you get into a fish's stomach like this guy was. And then, swoosh, comes the other stuff that comes that the fish would normally eat. I wonder what goes in. All kinds of uncooked raw seafood, shrimp, squid, another fish. Suddenly you veer off sushi forever, don't you? It's just put you off. It's as simple as that. If you can get out of there, when I'm done expecting this, explaining this, seafood will be good for seeing but not eating. That's the position he was in. There was no flashlight in there. All you hear is rumbling of live fish stomach. It must be deafening, or it must have been deafening when the fish is passing gas or feeling hungry. I wonder what that felt like. Not in a good place, but according to Jonah, it was the moments in the water before seeing a humongous mouth, mouth swoop him up that was the most frightening. He couldn't get over that emotionally charged, anxiety-filled moment that he was going through. Isn't that a picture of you and I at times? We go through these anxious, anxiety-filled moments. And then perhaps in the nick of time, as the fish swallowed him, passing through the small opening of its throat, something like CPR was performed on Jonah. And he came back full of life. He came back alive because there was a miracle happening in that story. But that's exactly what God wants us to do. You see, because I think the inside of a fish would be one smelly place. Can you remember the commercials that used to be on the television? The stick-up air fresheners, where they went around to smelly places and they put these air fresheners in different places. I think that would have been a good place for a stick-up inside that stomach. But for Jonah, the moment of death and dread was over. He knew when he was in the fish, he was saved from drowning. As he declares at the end of this psalm, salvation comes from the Lord. The pangs of death surrounded me. The sorrows of Sheol surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. And he cried out to my God. Don't we do that at some times when things are happening to you and I that aren't good? Well, it happens to each and every one of us. I wonder if there's times when we do exactly what Jonah did and we cried out to God. The great thing about this story was God heard him. I need to tell you this morning that God hears you. Whatever position you're in, whether it's good, bad, indifferent, God hears your cries. And he goes on to say, My cry before, even to his ears, the cords of death, he goes on to say, entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. Again, isn't that a picture of things that happen to you and I in life? We can be overwhelmed by family. We can be overwhelmed by friends. We can be overwhelmed by things that just happen to each and every one of us as we go through life together. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. Oh, what a picture. What a picture of God hearing that cry for help. And he hears your cry as well this morning. He heard my voice when I cried out to him. Jonah cried out to God. 
and he heard him. Jonah is thankful he's alive. But that's all he's thankful for. It's like, got hold of that one. I'm the ultimate survivor. I could just picture him saying that. I'm the ultimate survivor. I've got through this. He was so self-centered. And some of us go through life like that. We're so self-centered on us. We forget about there's other people out there who need to hear the gospel. But this is where Jonah was at. He never changed his mind about Nineveh when he prayed to the Lord from inside the fish. We know he was in there three days and three nights. We know that he got there because he was running away from the Lord in the opposite direction. Isn't that a picture sometimes of you and I? We're running in different directions when we should be running straight ahead towards him and crying out to him and God will listen to your cries for help. And even when he was in the way, things just got to Jonah. Even when he was in the fish, he was still setting his sights on another place. He was not going to Nineveh, but going to the temple in Jerusalem. Verse 9 sounds all good and religious, very spiritual, but when you look into his motivations, he was still disobedient. We can go through life like that with God, can't we, when we're walking? With God, when we're supposed to be talking the talk, there's times when we become disobedient, when we know God is saying this to us, but we decide, Lord, I'm going to do it my way. God says, I want you to do it his way. His way. And don't go in your own strength. You see, he was still disobedient. And he was not about to go to Nineveh. He was still trying to con his way out of it, if you like. I'm going to make good of my promise sacrifice, singing in church, see a salvation is from the Lord and all those nice formal type of words that people use. Not only Jonah and the story, we use it as well. Jonah demonstrates that he never changed his mind about Ninevites. To him, they'd already forfeited the grace that could be theirs. Listen, we don't deserve God's grace, but we have it nonetheless this morning. I'm glad about that. I'm glad about that because my life would be in a right mess if it wasn't for the fact that God is at the center of the relationship that I have with him. Question I'll need to ask you this morning, who's at the center of yours? Who's at the center of your relationship? Because it should be God seven days a week, not just on a Sunday morning when you come here and when we go back to church, our church. That's the way it should be. But Jonah is not about to go to them and Give him a shot at God's grace and forgiveness. He wants to do his own thing. He says, he says himself worthy of being saved as an Israelite. But those pagans, oh, forget about them. But God's saying, who will love the pagans? Who will love the people that are lost, that don't know about God, and don't know that he can just change their lives and turn things around unless we do it unless he did it. You see, because all those pagans, these people we know who don't know God, they still need God's grace. And how they're going to find out? Through you and I this morning, through the week, when you come into contact with friends and family, whoever you meet, there's examples there that we should follow. Examples to us when we're in a dark place of despair. You see, Jonah's story was an example to learn from 
when we are in a dark place of despair. And for some of us, you look back and think, yeah, I remember that, Sam. Uh, yeah, I remember that. And what happened? God came in and got you through it. When at the beginning, you didn't think you'd ever get through it. But God is a God of grace and mercy. Maybe like Jonah, we're there because of our own willful disobedience to God. Maybe we're there because of foolish decisions that we've made over the last years, the last months, whatever. Maybe it's the sin of others that have delivered us to a place where we are today. Whatever the case may be, when we find ourselves in a dark and miserable place, we can trust that God is in control of all your circumstances. Certainly all of mine. I want to tell you that this morning because sometimes it's dead easy to forget. God prepared the great fish and he sent it at just the right time and the place to swallow Jonah whole. All of this wasn't God's relentless anger against Jonah. It was his relentless love for Jonah. There's a difference. God has a relentless love for you and I this morning. We don't deserve it, but we've got it. It's there, and it's available 24-7. Because we can trust that God is in control of all our circumstances. All of them. You see, God was intervening in Jonah's self-destructive flight. That's what he was on. He was hitting the self-destruct button. How many, how many of us do that at times? We hit the self-destruct button. And we don't let God take control of the situation. I want to encourage you to do that this morning. Because I think that's what's coming out from this story. There's no circumstance that you will face that is out of God's control. That's what this story tells me. That doesn't mean that no matter what we do, we're in God's will. And it doesn't mean that there aren't consequences for disobeying God. Jonah was really out of God's will for disobeying God. And there were serious consequences. There can be serious consequences for disobeying God in our lives too. I want to tell you that this morning because that's reality. But God in his mercy will often cause the paths that you and I choose to lead us to a place where we don't want to be, but has been handcrafted for our good. You might be in that place right now. I don't know. But I know a man who does. At first, you see how bad it is, how dark and cold and miserable and lonely it is, but God's purpose for bringing us to this dark place is to bring our hearts to a new place with him. That's what he wants to do. His purpose is to strip our hearts of every false things we find security in. And for us, it will be all different. For you, it will be different to mine. And every false path that we think leads to life, and every false idea that we think is truth, a place where we are disgusted with our own efforts to control our lives and our hearts, turn to Christ, because it's simple. And sometimes we're desperate. God understands that, and we need to surrender our lives to him. And when you do that, you'll find that you're in a good place, because he hears your cries. He hears your cries. He hears your prayers. I know lots of people who say to me, who aren't Christian, they'll say, when I hit a bad situation, I'll just pray about it. But there's nothing in it, but I'll just pray about it. 
During the last few months, I've grown increasingly dependent on my iPhone, Google Maps, to get me places. You know how it goes? You put your address in of a destination, and it tells you how to get there. But if you get off the recommended route, it will recalculate a new route to get you to your destination. Sometimes I feel like I detect a little annoyance in Siri's voice when I get off the route. She mapped out for me, but that could just be my imagination. I don't know. You see, Jonah fled the will of God, and by doing so, he took himself off God's path for his life, and he put himself on a path of his own choosing. But God didn't allow Jonah to run headlong into his own destruction. Instead, he recalculated a new route to get Jonah where he intended him to be all along. What route are you on this morning? Are you on the right route that leads to glory, that leads to heaven, that leads to peace and joy? Have you got that? You see, God doesn't abandon us to our own path. He recalculates a new route, and we end up in what often was a messy and miserable detour but God uses it to do the needed work. Where? In our hearts. That's where. I'm going to ask the band if, if they'll come up now. You see, getting back to God for your life may be messy and humiliating, but it's good. It's good. It's where you were meant to be. And the Lord will recalculate a route that leads you to where? To joy, to forgiveness, to fruitfulness, for his kingdom again. So the question this morning is, if you're not a Christian, if you're listening online, now do something about it. If you're not a Christian here this morning, do something about it. Because to be a Christian just means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And as disciples of Jesus, we're following the path for our lives that he's laid out for us. Trusting in his blood this morning, that he shed his blood for you and I on the cross to cleanse us from everything we've said and done wrong in life. And trusting, that's the reason why he was resurrected, so that you and I could have new life in him. And we will be resurrected to new life because we put our faith and trust in him. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's no other path that leads to eternal life. Have you found it? Have you got it? Do you need it? Do you want it? You can have it. It's here this morning. That's the message this morning I get from Jonah. Yes, he was in a dark place, but where he is now, he sorted. And you can walk out of here this morning and say, Sam, I'm sorted. Lord, I'm sorted. I'm sorted. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you this morning that we're able to hear from you. And Lord, I want to pray for every head that's bowed in this service this morning. If there's anyone, Lord, that needs to turn to you, I just pray, Lord, that you will convict them right now to turn around and give their lives over to you. And I'm thankful, Lord, that when they do that, things will change. They will feel at peace. They will feel the joy. They will feel the comfort of knowing, Lord, that you are right there beside them in their situation. And I just pray, Lord, that you'll bless this church as we move into our new building next week. I pray, Lord, that you'll bless everything that we're going to do because we do it with a purpose. And the purpose is, Lord, to tell others and bring others 
to a knowledge that Jesus saves, Jesus keeps, Jesus loves, and Jesus wants a personal relationship with the whosoever. So Lord, bless us all this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.